This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. That is absolutely true. Schools here indeed, along with employment lawyer Leah Moody, uh, part of Sanfiru Tamark and LLP here in Vancouver, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can check that out anytime and uh, see that I'm telling you the truth. Look, we got uh, open phone lines already here this afternoon, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. This is a live call-in show, as you know, so you make it that much better when you contribute. would love to hear your uh, concerns when it comes to employment law or if you've been wrongfully dismissed or harassed at work, changes to your job, human rights issues, doesn't matter, or just questions about severance you've always wanted to know or temporary layoffs, which are always a hot topic. During these uh, COVID-19 times, that is uh, totally on the ball for sure to uh, to call and ask your questions. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. Want to get started here with a couple issues you got going on, Leah, with the uh, the week that was. How are you, pal? Yes, sir. I am. I am good. I am good. Excellent. Thank you for it being the end of January, 11 months into a global pandemic. I am I fine. I'm perfectly fine. Um, this is, uh, as you said, John, this is the employment hour and it is a live call in show. So mm-hmm. give us a call. If this is your first time listening in, you don't know what this show is all about. This is about employment law. I practice employment law uh, here in British Columbia specifically based out of Vancouver, well, presently out of North Vancouver, out of my house, out of my son's nursery, which is always an interesting (laughs) background for my Zoom meetings. Uh, But, you know, if you've got any questions whatsoever, this is this is what my my life is about my day to day. So, you know, please give us a call. Uh, Let me help to give you some clarification, Uh, you know, take some stress off of your plate. If there's anything that's bothering you, any question that you want answered, uh, anything that your your boss recently said to you or anything like that, you know, give us a call either on air or off air. Uh, I'm happy to help you. And, you know, you do have options and it is possible to have somebody in your corner. So first things first, like you said, John, we tackle the week that was. And this is just some time that we take at the beginning of the show to discuss some files or situations that have come across my desk, um, or in this case, in the first one, some important employment-related stories that have made their way into the news. So we recently heard about HBC announcing a massive downsizing program resulting in, I think, like 600 permanent layoffs is what they are projecting. Yeah. Yeah. And in the context, I mean, uh, clearly anybody who's in that position should contact a lawyer because... Um, you know, if you have been permanently laid off just because they're in financial difficulty, just because it's a pandemic, just because you're one of 600 people doesn't make you entitled to any less. Okay. So be sure that if you are in that position, you are, you know, at least going to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to take a brief check against what you are entitled to, but better yet, give us a call, talk to me directly and make sure that you've got all your T's crossed, all your I's dotted before you sign on the dotted line. But I've also been approached by a few employees from HBC who are considering 
uh, asking about or taking even voluntary buyout packages. And this has been very common over this last year where companies, you know, say to their prospective employees, we really don't want to fire people. But if anybody has wants to be fired, if anybody has been thinking about making a career change and want to take a package that is on the table. And considering how many employees could be affected by this, you know, both potentially at HBC and elsewhere, I thought it might be helpful just off the hop today to outline a couple of key facts with respect to these kinds of voluntary buyouts. Because I think the most important takeaway is that just because it's voluntary, just because you put up your hand, or even if you ask for it, even if nobody is asking you to take one, but you go to them and you say, how do you feel about a voluntary package? Uh, That does not mean that you have to take a steep discount on your entitlements or a discount whatsoever. If you're going to agree to be let go, you know, like I said, if you're someone who's been looking to maybe make a move for a while and this sort of seems like a good opportunity, you should still make sure that you are getting what you're entitled to. And this is going to be particularly critical in this kind of situation, right? I mean, HBC in particular is putting potential packages in front of at least 600 people. So it's extremely unlikely that they're going to make all of these people an offer that is commensurate with what they are completely entitled to. Um, you know, I think that a lot of companies conduct themselves in that way. They, you know, try to shortchange various individuals uh, because at the end of the day, paying a few people a lot more money when those people get a lawyer and complain ends up being cheaper than just paying all 600 people their full entitlements from the outset, right? right. They, they bank on a good chunk of them just taking it. So those employees that are entitled to common law severance, and I would assume in this case that this would be most of them, could be entitled to many months of severance and potentially as much as 24 months of pay. And that is not me misspeaking. I do mean to say 24 months or two years. And of course, included in those months is not just your pay, but all of the components of your compensation package. So if you get benefits, you technically should get benefits throughout the severance period. Uh, If, you know, that also applies to pension contributions, uh, any kind of bonus, commission, all that good stuff. So if you are somebody who usually gets bonused out every quarter, you are entitled, you know, uh, barring any employment contract that says otherwise, enforceably, you are entitled to receive compensation for the lost opportunity to earn that bonus over the notice period, right. to earn your commissions, to earn overtime. All of that variable compensation, that doesn't just disappear. That is something that you are entitled to as part of your severance. So please, before you sign anything, voluntary or not, find out what you're entitled to, contact us directly. We can review the package for you before any sort of deadline, and we can make sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. By the way, to reach out to uh, Leah and her team there at the firm anytime, 604-283-3123. And uh, there's also, you know, invaluable advice when it comes to employment law that you can have at your fingertips. Simply go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is absolutely free and anonymous, whether it's uh, workplace harassment or or severance pay calculator, anything. So much so much stuff is on there about what we talk about on the show every week. And it's, uh, you can even go there even before you decide to pick up the phone and talk to uh, talk to Leah for sure again. Pocket Employment Lawyer. See, but right here and now, six zero four two eight zero nine 
888-978-9898. Lines are open right now this afternoon for this live call-in show. It's only, uh, what, quarter after four, so you got lots of time to call in and ask your questions. Yeah, it's interesting. Most people, when they figured, oh, well, the company's in charge of giving me this volume, they came to me. I'll just take the uh, money, whatever money they're offering me and run. You really got to give you a call, right, and go through, go through their offer with more of a fine-tooth comb and see that you're not missing out on things. Because if they're offering it, they, in, in essence, they say, you know what, you know, here's the, here's your hat. What's the, here's the, here's the door. What's your hurry type of thing. Right. So you have some, mm-hmm. you have some legs to, to, to do some negotiations. Do you not? Oh yeah, you absolutely do. And I think sometimes people become, you know, blinded by the number of months that they're getting and they don't think right. about the overall compensation package, but that can be really important, especially because the continuation of various components of somebody's compensation, you know, particularly benefits that can have significant value to you. You know, if you're if you are regularly getting uh, prescriptions, if your kids, um, you know, <laughs> go to the orthodontist, right? Exactly, right. I mean, God. you can save yourself hundreds of dollars of out-of-pocket expenses, and it's you, the a cost to the company of what twenty-three bucks a month for the premiums. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a very minimal cost to the company, but you're covered, and you should be. That is exactly what your entitlement is, what your legal right is when you're terminated, is to be made whole for every component of your compensation as if you had been continuing to work there. Good, that'd be good. I got a question for you. You know, it's, it's not to sound like a cynical old man here, but you know, everybody, you know, your parents at one point, they, your, your, your father, when you're younger, used to say, you know, everybody wants to rip you off. Uh, maybe even a little bit more, uh, more appropriate term is that everybody's a rock star and then somebody else's dime. You see, I showed their own dime. I got a question. So when, when 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 the employer when they when they're going to potentially lay you off, two questions here. Uh, why? I mean, maybe I already answered my own question. Why do they play this game where they want to shortchange you or nickel and dime you? I mean, not to get off topic, yeah. maybe the same thing with the insurance company. I think the other guy with the guy who's on host here. So is this a case of basically they want to look after their bottom line? And number two, I have a question here. Um, as far as a um, as far as a layoff, if you uh, are working for a particular employer. And uh, you you have a particular uh, contract, like a length of term that you're working with the, with with the, with the with the with the company, and and that contract does not get renewed. Are you entitled to severance? I just want to be clear on that point. Can you answer those two questions, please? I can. Yeah, those are great questions. So let me answer that one first, uh, because I think that that's going to be uh, a, an easy shot. So uh, typically speaking, if you're on a fixed term. Right. Um, You know, and just say this is your first fixed term. If the contract provides for, you know, no automatic renewal and it's not renewed, then that's it. That's just the end of it. Um, If, however, you've been on multiple fixed terms. Right. So a lot of teachers are in this position. Um, A lot of people in the gig economy are certainly in this position where they're just sort of put on one six month contract to another six month contract. And it just kind of keeps renewing. Um, at the end of that renewal period, if they don't pay you severance, then you could have a very good argument for the fact that because there have been multiple renewals, at some point you became entitled to rely on the fact that it was going to be renewed. And if we can get to that point, then yes, they do have to provide you with notice of your termination. But if we're just talking about one fixed term contract and it's not renewed at the end, that's typically going to be permitted. Okay. Now, and with respect that, to your first okay. question, just with respect to your first question, you know, why do they play this game? I mean, it's a, it's a great 
question and it's one that I ask myself all the time. I mean, hmm. when I sort of want to, um, you know, think better of the world, I my, the answer to that question is that there are a lot of companies out there who just are not getting good advice, right? There's a lot of misinformation out there. Google searches don't really yield you a clear answer. Um, and, you know, if, if a company doesn't have a dedicated employment lawyer telling them what their obligations are, they just don't know. And they Google, what do I owe somebody when I terminate them? And the minimums under the Employment Standards Act come up. And so they think that that's it. And they get a rude awakening when all of a sudden they get, uh, they get a, a lawyer letter from one of their terminated employees. But, you know, when we're talking about the big companies, companies who have been through this rigmarole before, you know, you are unfortunately exactly right. And it really does come down to the bottom line. You know, why do companies raise their prices? Why do they do any of the number of things that they do? And a lot of that is simply just attributed to the fact of it is determined, I think, from a business perspective to be cheaper to shortchange everybody than to give everybody what they're completely entitled to. I will say I work with I personally work with a lot of employers. It's it's only really the, the kind, these kinds of employers that I like to work with that just want to do right by their employees. They just want good advice. They want to know what to give people. They want to know what the law says. But, um, you know, I, I've also turned away my share of people who are also just looking to get out of things for as cheaply as possible. So, you know, it's it's very cynical, but I do think that that is the motivating factor for some of them. Joe, appreciate your call. Hope you answered uh, both your questions there. If you want to reach out afterwards to Leah and her team, you can, 604-283-3123. Yeah, sure, if they get a, they let go of 50 people and they, they offer, they lowball 50 people, maybe – 45 of them won't bother going to a lawyer and getting their uh you know what they're what they're actually owed so they're going to save a bunch of coin in the long term i mean it's it, you know it's business as you said uh so many times right uh steve thanks for standing by you're up next pal how are you i'm doing well thank you how are you great what's uh what's on your mind um so my question is i was uh i was employed for commission sales for about seven and a half years um in the midst of the pandemic um i was terminated along with a few other people um now we i was given severance um the the minimum from what i understand was um sort of expected but my question really comes down to is um we were never paid vacation pay when we were there um, and when I brought it up during my termination, I was told that uh, in my contract it said that it was part of my commission. However, it, um, you know, my argument to that was, well, if, because we, we, we split everything there. If, if my partners didn't make any sales, then I received no money. And they said, yes, that's correct. Um, so that's, that's my first uh, and most major part of my question. I'd like you to answer that if you could, please. Uh, yeah, sure. So... Uh, of course. So if you are properly an employee of this company, uh, which a lot of sales representatives are, but you do have some companies that try to say that you are an independent contractor and therefore you're oh, not no, covered I was, by I the was, uh, Standards Act. Mm -hmm. I was a regular uh, employee, basic deductions, all that okay. stuff. I wasn't a subcontractor or anything. Um, I also should mention the contract that I did sign, they made me sign about a week and a half after I'd been employed there. So I'm not even sure if that contract is considered valid. It would not be, and that's a great, great point. Um, if you get a contract after you start working somewhere and you are not given something in exchange for signing it, and I don't just mean the continuation of your job, I mean you have to actually be given some sort of benefit that you didn't have before. It can be anything, but it has to be a benefit, then that contract is basically not worth the paper that it's written on. But to answer okay. your first point, 
um, you are entitled to a certain percentage of vacation pay under the Employment Standards Act. Um, for most people mm -hmm. at the beginning of their job, it's going to be 4%. So mm -hmm. uh, if you are also contractually entitled to, you know, 25% commission, and they're now trying to say that your 4% vacation pay was part of that 25% commission, then guess what? They're going to owe you additional commission in the form of what they tried to say is now vacation pay, right? So either way, they've shortchanged you. And it increases to 6% after a certain amount of time, does it not? It does indeed, yeah. I think it's five years. Interesting. Okay, so um, what, what would you recommend is my best course of action moving forward? Because the, this money is, is obviously still unpaid, um, and I, I have a, a feeling I'm entitled to about seven and a half years' worth. Well, I think, honestly, Steve, I'd probably take a look at your pay stubs. So if your pay stubs don't indicate that you were provided with vacation pay, then you can and you should bring a complaint to the Employment Standards Branch because that's probably going to be the easiest and cheapest way to go. They're going to have to prove that they paid you vacation pay. And if it's not on any of your pay stubs, you've got a really good argument that you weren't paid vacation pay, especially if the only thing on your pay stub is 25% commission and that's what you were supposed to get by way of commission. But if it does um, say vacation pay on your pay stub and you do realize that what that means is that you were shortchanged on your commission, then what you can do is you can bring an action civilly for breach of contract, which is definitely I, something actually, that we can help you with. I, I'd like to jump in on that. I've, I've done a little bit of homework on this first. Um, I actually didn't receive any vacation pay on my pay stubs and I've kept every single one. Good on you. <laughs> that's great. I love hearing about people who keep their documentation because that's exactly what you're going to need if you go to the Employment Standards Branch. So um, okay. keep in mind that you need to bring a complaint within a year after your last day. So if you were terminated mid-pandemic, that's probably coming up pretty shortly. I would certainly recommend that you that you go ahead and do that. You can also hire a lawyer to write a letter to see about getting it resolved or getting it settled before then. Um, the only reason I put that on the table is because the Employment Standards Branch, as I'm sure you can imagine, is extremely backlogged right now. They are taking a yeah. very, very long time to process and respond to complaints. Um, so it might be worthwhile to try to see what you can do to settle it. But if none of your pay stubs show vacation pay, then that to me seems to be the, the easiest path of recourse for you. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I really appreciate your insight on that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Steve. Steve. You bet. And uh, here's uh, here's Leah's number to reach out if you have any more questions uh, or lengthier conversation. No problem. 604-283-3123. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well to get a hold of Leah. Uh, he did mention seven and a half years. He, can he go back that far? Or can he only go back two? Uh, no. So um, you can go back for vacation pay for the last year that you were employed. Um, and if you want to bring a civil claim, uh, I mean, that becomes a little bit harder because we're talking about right. vacation pay and that is okay. something that's provided to you under the Employment Standards Act. That matter. Yeah, and it's such an important topic. I mean, it's always an important topic, but, yep. you know, particularly lately, I feel like a lot of stories that have been coming out, um, you know, since the pandemic have really focused in on, you know, how abuse of all kinds has run rampant because of the lockdown situations that we are in you know people are just more stressed they're more isolated and they are abusing their power and this is certainly true in a workplace context as well um, and i think that you also have a lot of employees who are probably more inclined to take it 
because they know that the job market out there is really horrible and they don't want to risk losing their job. And so, you know, conduct or, or comments that would have been completely unwelcome and completely unacceptable a year and a half ago are all of a sudden things that we're all just trying to shrug, shrug off. So it is something that I wanted to deal with in, in some depth today because um, it's it's poisonous and left to fester long enough, real harassment in the workplace uh, can cause and exacerbate depression and anxiety and stress and nobody needs more of that right now. We are already full up on depression and anxiety and stress right now. So, you know, if, if you can, if, if you, you know, listen to the show and you take away anything from this, just understand that you have a right to feel welcome and safe and valued in your workplace. But, you know, I did mention real harassment. And the reason why I say that is not to diminish anybody's experience, but because there is a legal definition. And that's okay. usually the easiest place to start. So, I mean, it's still pretty vague and it's still pretty subjective, but um, harassment is typically seen by our courts and by our tribunal and, of course, by WorkSafe as any kind of inappropriate conduct or comments by a person towards a worker that that individual knows or should know would be unwelcome, would cause humiliation or would intimidate that individual. It can be verbal, it often is. Uh, it can include spreading rumors, so it doesn't have to be verbal comments to your face. It certainly includes calling somebody derogatory names. And of course, any kind of unwanted physical touching or aggression. And, you know, it's a fairly wide ambit, but it's also, you know, I think that we do have some very specific examples of what harassment is not, and that can be helpful as well. So harassment is typically, and this is not my definition, by the way, this is WorkSafeBC's yeah. definition. Harassment is not any reasonable action taken by an employer or a manager relating to the management of workers. You know, so a supportable but negative performance review or a change in policy that impacts you in a way that you don't like doesn't count as harassment under the law in most cases. You know, a difference of opinion, a personality conflict, that doesn't necessarily count as harassment. So long, of course, as these differences of opinion and this, you know, difference in personality is respectfully communicated. But outside of those reasonable steps taken to manage a workplace, any sort of action or comment that causes you to feel isolated or intimidated or anxious very likely constitutes harassment as it's defined by WorkSafeBC. What are an employer's, employer's obligations in that regard? Yeah, so at a very broad level, an employer has an obligation to keep the workplace safe. And we've been talking a lot about that in with respect to COVID because, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why so many of us are working from home if we can and if we're lucky. But, you know, an employer like under that same umbrella has the obligation to maintain a workplace free from harassment and bullying. So that is specifically mandated under WorkSafeBC regulation. It's also a, uh, a common law obligation as well. So every facet of our workplace requires an employer to do its part to prevent 
uh, and of course to address any harassment or bullying. So as an employee, you have an entitlement to come into the workplace and do your work without being harassed, you know, to work in a safe atmosphere, to not be humiliated, to not be intimidated by those that you work with. This, that is your right as an employee. And, and it's so important that that gets across because nobody has to endure or suffer being harassed in the workplace, no matter how minor and, and no matter if it's a one-off. So WorkSafe BC, in order to uh, you know, manage this, has specific obligations that an employer has to abide by as well. And that includes, most importantly, having a policy or statement on harassment in the workplace. So usually what's required is a declaration of you know, the company's commitment to a workplace free from harassment, including a definition of what constitutes harassment and letting people know where they can find the employer's harassment policy because that is the other main obligation that employers have and that is to have clear policies and procedures in place for reporting and dealing with incidents and complaints. So these policies should outline what an employee who's experiencing harassment in the workplace should do in terms of reporting the complaint and it should also outline what the company will do in response to that complaint. You know, so it might say that they're going to conduct an investigation. It might say, you know, what happens to the individual that you made the complaint about during that investigation and what you can expect by way of confidentiality. Uh, these policies also obviously need to be made public to your workers. You know, the employees have to know that they exist uh, and they need to be accessible. And the last one that I can think of is that employers have to uh, train their supervisors and managers in recognizing harassment or bullying, um, you know, in recognition of the fact that employees, especially those who feel like they're at the bottom of the so-called food chain, don't right. feel like they've got the uh, capital to make a complaint. You know, they're worried for their job. So employers have an obligation to make sure that uh, the upper level management is aware to and keyed to signs of harassment or bullying and how to respond to a situation or a complaint um, if they see something happening to somebody else. Danny, this is Pete. Your interests sound, uh, you know, relatively familiar with you or even a, a colleague you work with or a friend. Feel free to call and ask a question uh, for sure. Don't even hesitate here at uh, 441. you got time. 604-280-9898 is the way we're talking about harassment in the uh, workplace. So if someone's listening to this and going, you know, I kind of feel like that's me. feels like I'm being harassed at work. Uh, what should they do? Yeah, I mean, if you feel like it's something that is keeping you up at night and you need some guidance on, um, call me, call a lawyer. Uh, I never think that it's too easy or too early to start speaking to a lawyer about a situation where you feel like you're being harassed or pushed out of the workplace. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people in these kinds of situations that, you know, not to shoot my own horn, but at the end of the conversation say, I just feel so much lighter. <laughs> I have a game plan. I know what I can do. I, I know what I'm working towards. I know what my rights are. And you know, that takes a load off as it should, right? And that's exactly why I'm going over it now because if you don't wanna call me, it's still important that you have this information. Um, so if you don't wanna to speak to a lawyer, then I would at least recommend that you follow your employer's procedures for reporting the incident. It, it can feel like a really big step to make a formal complaint of workplace harassment and bullying, but you have a right 
and to a, a harassment-free workplace. And those procedures and policies are there for you. If somebody yeah. is harassing you, you are just responding to that behavior. You are not the one who is escalating things. You are not the one who is making a dramatic situation. You are just calling actions for what they are, and that is harassment or bullying. So make the complaint, move up the chain, and ensure that it's adequately addressed. Still, again, I understand not everybody wants to call a lawyer. Not everybody nope. wants to take the step of, of making a formal complaint. So, you know, some people feel like they don't want to immediately escalate things, even though I absolutely think you can and should. But, uh, you know, at the very least, write it down for your own records. Start papering your file. I mean, this is going to be my advice to anyone, anytime there's anything that's going on, is yeah. put it in writing. Put it in an email to yourself so that you have a date and a timestamp and write down what happened, who did it, and how it was dealt with or not dealt with. Uh, hold on to this for the future if you need it. Um, you know, that way, if it ever comes down to a uh, she said, he said, then you've got contemporaneous evidence that aligns with your version of events. And more to the point, too, I mean, you always think you're going to remember these things. One, two, three years down the line, you, you get fuzzy on the details. You get fuzzy on the date. So write it down for yourself. Better yet, send that email to the person who's offending you or to your supervisor or HR. If you don't feel comfortable making that initial complaint, at least start compiling that record and sending it to the people who might be able to do something for you about it. And welcome back. It is uh, 4.46. Still time for you to call in, ask your question. 604 Two eight zero nine eight nine eight. That is the uh, the way we do it. So I'm not going to hold on or wait any longer. Want to get to uh, Curtis? Hey, Curtis. Thanks for standing by. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. How are you? Great. What's on your mind? Well, like I say, I, I had an employer who hired me as a superintendent for him for his construction business, uh, a steel reinforcing company, and he was absolutely. When I started, he said, "You're doing a great job. You're making a big difference here and everything." And and I had a company gas card and and. Uh, and things in a company card so I could buy supplies and stuff for the job sites. And eventually he sort of whittled all this away from me and then, and then just started belittling me and calling me an effing idiot that I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what my job was and, and, and all these other things. And, and eventually like it came to a head where he said, you've got an hour to decide what you want to do. You want to, you want to, you want to like, you want to listen to what I'm telling you to do or do you want to, and I said, no, I don't need an hour. I'll be, uh, I'm done. It took me 30 seconds to decide. I'm not going down this road with you. you. You just don't know how to treat people, and you don't talk to people accordingly. And I never talked to anybody. I had my own business for 15 years. I never talked to one person ever the way he talked to me or tried to talk to me. The stress, the anxiety, as you can hear, this has been a month now since, mm -hmm. I, since I was fired. And he said, that, he, he said that I quit. Well, he sent me a text saying, clean out your truck. I want it in my driveway by Sunday. And then, and then, and then he said, "No, you quit." I said, "No, I did not quit. You fired me, right? Like, how is yeah, a lawyer? How, yeah, I mean, how, how is anybody to take take that take the text like that? Clean out your truck, right? I wanted my yeah, driver no, to Sunday. that's a great. That's a great question, um, Curtis. And obviously, I'm I'm sorry that that happened to you, especially that given that it was such a turn from very positive feedback and a lot of trust to all of a sudden that sort of belittling and. You know, as we were just saying, 
uh, you know, management is certainly entitled to provide feedback, but it has to be constructively and fairly given and certainly not in, in a way that's meant to to undermine you or to to make you feel like garbage and certainly not to force you out the door at the end of the day. So when we're talking about, you know, resignations, even if you were the one that ultimately, you know, went out the door because you couldn't take it anymore, you know, there are two ways that you can paint that. One, you can say that the harassment got to such a point that you just you just took his actions as a breach of contract basically. So even though he didn't explicitly say you're terminated, here's your papers, by his actions, you were in a position where you were able to say, because of what you've done, I am construing this as a termination of my employment and now you owe me severance. Of course, yeah. what I think the easier road is, is just that resignations that are forced are not resignations. If you are in a position where somebody is telling you you know, quit or I'm going to fire you or, you know, take your stuff and leave. Or even if they're just making it into a situation that it's just, it's completely untenable for you to continue on in any sort of relationship with them, then any sort of resignation that you give is going to be seen as not of your own volition. This isn't a situation where you wrote this kind resignation letter thanking the company for, you know, all the experience that it gave you. This was somebody who cornered you and forced you out. And that's not well, a resignation. That's a termination. Well, I think I think there was there was issues with the safety and the COVID, where I had a situation on a mm -hmm. job site, and the and the contractor on the job site said, "You have men at home with COVID, perhaps." And I said, "You know what? I don't know anything about it because I was told by him, if anybody asks you anything about safety, you relate, you give them Phil's number, who was a safety officer." Well, I gave them Phil's phone number, the safety officer. And an hour later, Phil phoned me and goes, what did you tell the, the contractor? I said, I didn't tell him anything. I gave him your phone number and told him to talk to you. You're the safety officer. And how are you going to deal with the COVID? And he goes, what am I supposed to do, sit 120 men at home? I said, no, do your contact tracing like they're asking. Who was on the job site? Where did they go? Mm -hmm. Did they get tested? Are they on another site infecting anybody? That's your job, right? And then, and, and then 10 minutes later, the owner phoned me, and he went off on me saying, you lying effing asshole, you told them that we – have COVID and all this. I, I said, I didn't tell him anything. For 20 minutes, he berated me over the phone and on speaker mm -hmm. with my girlfriends going, oh my God, I can't believe he's talking like this at 7.30 at night, calling you at home on a, on a weeknight and, and, and accusing you of lying and being an effing mm -hmm. C word and a liar. And I'm like, no, wow. I know, right? And that was the beginning of the whole situation. Then he took my credit card away and gave it to the safety officer so I couldn't buy supplies for the, my job sites for my men. And, and I was waiting on materials and stuff. And, and, I, and I said, why am I waiting two days to get materials to a site or a saw to a site? When Phil has the credit card you took away from me. When I, I could have just picked this stuff in the morning, which is what I was doing. And he doesn't have a shop. He doesn't have supplies. Like, so I have to go to a, a wholesaler and buy my material for my job sites for my men. And, I, and then once my credit card was gone, I was at the mercy of a safety officer. Yeah. So, so let me be well. let me be really clear here, Curtis, because this is a situation that I, I hear happening to you and I've heard happen to a lot of people over the last year. Right. Everything is going swimmingly and then they start to enforce their rights in the workplace when it comes to covid and safety and, you know, holding the employer to account for the provincial yep. mandates and the provincial guidelines. And then yep. all of a sudden they're on the outs and they're punished. And that is very, very illegal. 
Okay. So not only are you entitled to severance, you could also be entitled to additional damages on top of that for the treatment, but you can also go ahead and bring what's called a prohibited action complaint with WorkSafe BC. So WorkSafe BC says that if you make a legitimate bona fide complaint, and by that I mean like you're just making it in good faith, you're not making something up. If you make a bona fide complaint about workplace safety and then you are punished for it, that's reprisal and that can give rise to serious fines to that company. Oh. So you've got a whole host of options here in front of you. It was it was it was absolutely just ridiculous. Like I like I told the safety officer, I said, you know what, I want names on these guys' hard hats. I have hundred and twenty of these black guys that I don't they don't speak English. I don't know what their names are and I can't identify them or anything. I said I want all their names on their hard hats and the owner said I told Phil to do that a month ago, the safety officer, which never happened. And then I, and then of course I said, mm-hmm. we need to get like, like uh, temperature checks. We let's get ahead of the curve, show them we're doing our, our due diligence. When the guys walk through the gates, we do a temperature check before when they sign in, they're going to sign in anything on a paper because they want to work. They don't want to be sent home. If they have a fever or something, they're going to lie. They got a cough. They're going to lie. They're going to do anything to keep working. Mm-hmm. These, these men, right? Because they don't want to lose their jobs in fear of losing their jobs. They don't even speak English. And I said, we need to protect them. We need to protect the families. We need to protect the job sites. If we get temperature monitoring, he goes, well, you're not a doctor. You know, what, what is that going to do? I said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do something, Phil. It's, it's at least it's something. It, it, we're trying to do our part, at least. And he, they mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. disagreed with anything I had to say, and I'm the superintendent. So there's the owner and the superintendent, which is me, and nobody else, as far as I'm concerned. A superintendent's duties and jobs are to run the jobs the way they should be ran as far as I concern, I'm concerned. And I had my own business for 15 years. And he goes, I don't care if you had mm-hmm. your own business for 15 years. You work for me. I said, well, this isn't the way things go. Like, I mean, you should know this. And he just, he just, he, he, that was it. I was on the outs and, and he did everything to get me to want to quit. And I said, no, I want to see this yeah. through. And, and eventually he said, clean out your truck. I want it in my driver by Sunday. When Sunday came, he said, I want my truck and my driver by noon. I'm going to pull the police and consider it stolen. I said, I want, and then we took my gas card away. He owes me $1,200 in gas. He said, well, I top up your check every week. I said, you top up my check. I said, I'm working those hours. I said, you're not paying my overtime either. I said, all right. Well, Curtis, we we gotta we gotta wrap it up, Curtis. We understand there's a you know, laundry list of problems over there. So, Leah, what does he do before we uh, before we wrap up for the day? Well, I, I mean, I think that we've already set it out, right? And I think that you know one of the most important things to take away from here is that you know. Yeah, even without the the safety complaints being made, you know, he's got a claim here, right? For severance, because you can't be yeah. forced out of the workplace and have your employer call it a resignation. Yeah. Um, but if he's been making these complaints with respect to safety, if he's been making these complaints with respect to COVID, I mean, work safe, our courts take that very seriously as it is, but particularly in the face of this last year, when our economy continuing to operate, lives continuing to be lived, depends on everybody being honest and everybody playing by the rules. It is really, really critical that uh, employers are held to account. And so, you know, you definitely have your options here, Curtis. And, and, you know, please give us a call off the air. And that'll pretty much do it for a day. Nicely done. Appreciate all your phone calls. By the way, you want to continue on with Leah and have a uh, more private conversation, a lengthy conversation. No problem. 604-283-3123. Write that down. Use it. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And also for reference as well, even before the phone call, you can learn so much at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you again on the Employment Law Show. This is CKNW.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.